Happy Halloween. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And this is episode 136 of Fried Squirms Trick or Treats. <laughs> are we out of movies that are trick or treat for the title? I think for the most part. Good. <laughs> that way next year we can expand off to something else. Once we found out there was trick or treats, we had to finish it, right? Yeah, exactly. It fit the motif of what we were doing the last two Halloween, so yeah. Speaking of what we've been doing, we should start off with nobody's guessed the right answer yet, so the contest extends. So the three episodes before this episode, guess what the motif is, and you guys win a prize. As we lead up to this, our third Halloween. Technically it's four. It is, we, technically. Because we debuted on Halloween, but nothing was Halloween-themed. No, not we for that particular... We just were ready to go, and it was Halloween, so we're like, well, we should probably put up our first episodes on Halloween, because we're a fucking horror podcast. Yeah, what better way, right? So technically fourth, but this is our third Halloween. So guess the motif of the previous three episodes for our third Halloween. Yeah, we gave you plenty of clues, so don't be afraid to chime in. Shit, anyway, how's your week been? It's been pretty laid back. Not a whole lot happening. I did start watching a series I kind of took a backseat to because of some of the recent seasons were a little bit shit. But I did start watching American Horror Story 1984. Mm. And one thing I can say about it is that this season has definitely brought me back in. Cool. It definitely follows a lot of horror movie tropes. I don't want to give away too much. It's a lot gorier, a lot more violent. It has some really cool characters, so I'm enjoying it so far. I think I'm only an episode behind. I didn't watch the newest episode this week, but I've seen, I think, four or five up to that point. Okay. Yeah, so so far, so good. Nice. And when you say it's following tropes, I'm guessing considering it's American Horror Story 1984, like, they're intentionally, like... Oh, no doubt. Not only that, they pay some really cool nods to some other films, not necessarily that were horror-based, but came out around the same time. And if you grew up with those films, you'll definitely catch it. If not, you might be in for some really cool surprises. So, yeah, I was really excited to see that. Some of it's on the nose, but just because I grew up in that time period, seeing a lot of those films, like, ah, it's pretty cool they're still doing that. Hell yeah. I need to get back on that myself because I fell off a long time ago on American Horror Story. Yeah, I think after the Roanoke season, I stopped see, watching it. I didn't it. even get that far, so. Yeah, it's for me, it started getting really stale came kind of predictable last season i heard was pretty decent the season before that was like yeah i'm good yeah i'll get caught up one of these days there's too much shit to watch that's you're right man this is the season where all those shows are dropping again so i know you're telling me it's been hard i'm not caught up on all the stuff i'm normally caught up on and that's my own fault for just sitting around playing video games (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that i am excited because this week which by the time this drops it's already aired but the Return of Council Rock happens this week for us. That's right. Oh, I'm super excited for that. I should have thrown it up like on the gram and stuff, but I'm kind of glad I didn't so that it can be kind of a surprise. I mean, I guess I don't want people to be too surprised because I want them to know what they're talking about in case we decide to do an episode on it. But I did actually watch a horror movie last night. Nice, dude. <laughs> kind of horror movie? Horror movie-ish. Definitely horror movie-ish. We're going to talk about that off mic, though, because we might have to end up covering it and... Whatever, we'll get to that. Nice. I, I don't want to say too much about it now in case we do end up Understandable, it, so. understandable. Well, I did get to sneak in a horror movie, aside from today's, of course, film that we're reviewing, but my nephews and my sister and I, we all watched Trick or Treat, 
which was our Halloween episode two years ago. Yep. Yeah, so that was fun. My nephews hadn't seen it before. I think my sister had seen some of the segments, but not all of it. So they really enjoyed it. I think only had to fast forward through maybe 10 seconds of some nudity at the beginning of the film because a guy puts in the VHS tape. I was oh, like, right. oh, yeah, they don't need to be seeing that. But outside of that, it was good, man. It was a lot of fun. They enjoyed it. Like I said, it was fun to rewatch it again. So, yeah. Hell, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, shit. Otherwise, for me, I- I've been up to something all afternoon, but I don't want to say too many details unless it starts going yeah, forward dude, you got even some, more. You've so. got some goodies in the bag. So there might be even bigger details coming up, but I don't want to say too much until everything's for sure a little bit more locked down into place. But big steps were taken this afternoon, so... Nice. Yeah, I think I might have even walked in on a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, dude, outside of that, man, soccer is winding down. I mentioned to you off air that we had a friendly today, so got to see that. And, yeah, just looking forward to actually playing some, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'll be doing some indoors soon. Oh. Be a lot of fun. So, yeah. Aside from that, man, I do have some bits of horror news. I okay, thought it was yeah, kind of cool. Got? So, Robert Eggers, director of The Witch, director of the new film, Lighthouse. Still haven't seen it. I don't even know if they'll be playing it around here soon. God, but I hope so. Yeah, there's a chance. But I did read some news concerning a new film that he is directing. It's a Viking revenge film. It's called yes. The Northman. And apparently has a really cool cast. So some of the cast members I do see who have signed on for this include Nicole Kidman, oh. Alexander Skarsgård, Anya Taylor-Joy, Bill Skarsgård, and Willem Dafoe. Oh, I was really hoping you were going to say Mads. Oh, that would have been fucking dope, considering, yeah. So some of the news that involves this film is is that this pick is described as a Viking revenge saga set in Iceland at the turn of the 10th century. It does say that Agers penned the screenplay with Icelandic poet and novelist Sjön. Okay. Yeah. Two scars guards, huh? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool, man. So it says also that Lars Knudsen, he was the producer on Hereditary and Midsommar. He is producing this film as well, and it is set up by New Regency. So it's one of those directors, really looking forward to mm-hmm. it. He's been uh, getting all kinds of cool press. Expect more head trauma. Yeah, so speaking of Willem Dafoe, I do see that he is teamed up to be in a new film by Guillermo del Toro, and that's Nightmare Alley. And some other cast members that are a part of this are going to be Bradley Cooper, Tony Collette, Kate Blanchett, and Runa Mara. It looks pretty decent. I did read a little bit about it. It's based off of a novel of the same name, published in 1946. The novelist is William Lindsay Gresham, for those who are familiar. If not, there you go. But the original novel is described as a study of the lowest depths of showbiz and its sleazy inhabitants. The dark, shadowy world of a second-rate carnival filled with hustlers, scheming grifters, and Machiavellian femme fatales. It says the 1947 movie, apparently, chronicles the rise and fall of Stanton Carlyle, a mentalist who lies and his deceits prove to be his downfall. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But Defoe looks like he is going to be the head barker at the traveling carnival who gives Bradley Cooper's character a job, ushering him into a world of showbiz. No. So. A lot of people have given people jobs to get into the world of showbiz. Yeah, I've heard about those casting calls. <laughs> All right, some news concerning Mr. Raimi. It does look like he is going to be directing an untitled horror film 
from the Freddy versus Jason writers. It looks like it's described as Misery meets Castaway. Okay. Which, I don't know. We'll see, I suppose. But, yeah, the guys who actually penned the script are Damian Shannon and Mark Swift, who I said they did the Freddy versus Jason Friday the 13th in 2009. So, yeah. It's cool to see Raimi get his hands back on some stuff. Yeah, he hasn't directed anything, I don't think, since Drag Me to Hell. So, over a decade ago, man. He's about due. All right, the next bit of news I have concerns the MCU, and that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because Jade Bartlett has been announced that she is writing the MCU's first horror film, and that is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is really cool so it looks like benedict cumberbatch mm-hmm. is returning as a title character and elizabeth olsen is going to be co-starring as scarlet witch and they keep saying it's going to be the first marvel horror movie so yeah we'll see what happens but right now it has a tentative release date as may 7th 2021 so we'll see whether it gets pushed up or pushed back all right the next bit of news i have involves a couple of films that are actually going to be dropping on amazon prime in november one of them, it's called Anna and the Apocalypse. It is John McPhail's Christmas horror musical. The Bloody Disgusting did a review on it. It got a four star. So we'll see what happens there. But it is releasing on the 13th on Prime. And Fred Durst's film, which oh, looks pretty right. decent. The trailer looks good. The Fanatic, which stars John Travolta and Devin Sawa. That is coming to Prime on November the 20th. And there's a couple other films. The film Overlord, The Ring, that's the 2002 version, and Texas Chainsaw 3D are all going to be on Prime on November the 6th. I'm uh, really curious about The Fanatic, man. That actually looked really yeah, good. Yeah, it looks pretty good. All right. I've got three other bits of news, and that kind of rounds out okay. the news that caught my eye. But I did read here that Paul Dano is set to play the Riddler. Riddler. Yeah. And Matt Reeves is upcoming the Batman. So I did see that at one time it was discussed that uh, Jonah Hill was in talks to either play the Riddler or the Penguin, but that fell through. So I think Paul Dano is a really good addition to that. All right, I've got another bit of news with another really cool person. I think I mentioned this to you because a couple of weeks ago we actually reviewed a film that's getting a remake. And this is the fact that David Duchovny has joined the cast of Blumhouse's remake of The Craft. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. It's like, that's a pretty big draw. I'm curious what they're going to be doing with their craft anyway, so... Yeah, Uh, hopefully it's not The Covenant. (laughs) (laughs) The Covenant. And the last but not least bit of news that I found really cool is the fact that Bruce Campbell has confirmed that a new filmmaker has been chosen to direct the next Evil Dead movie. Yep. Now, unfortunately, it's not Fetty Alvarez, so we do know that. Yeah, I'm pretty bummed about that, too, because we still deserve Fetty's Evil Dead, too. I totally agree with there, but nothing else. It's nice to know that somebody has been chosen. Handpicked by Raimi. Yeah. I did see that Campbell, even though he's not going to be the live-action Ash, it looks like you know his voice is going to be lent to an upcoming video game. So he still does reprise his role in a bit of way, I suppose. He's still kind of kind of ashy slashy. Yeah, he's still going to be ash for all of us. So if nothing else, man, it's cool to see that they are you know wanting to continue the Evil Dead series. So I'm all for that. I agree. 
Yeah, but outside of that, dude, that's pretty much the news of the week that I found interesting. Like a little bit of the shit I've been up to. In a, I won't say weird way, but in an interesting way, I am looking forward to talking about today's film. Ooh, me too. In fact, let's just get right into the guts and bolts of Trick or Treats. Guts and bolts. Trick or treats. Multiple treats. All the treats. I'm fucking hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. So, guts and bolts. Who and what went into this 1982 movie that... Was it direct-to-video? Did I see that? I think so. Even if it did get a theatrical release, it was very limited. Right. As always, I start off with a spoiler-free synopsis. And we'll get into crew... We'll get into cast. I'm actually pretty excited to talk about this movie. I know. Surprisingly. (laughs) Yeah. So, let's see. Synopsis is this gal's hired to babysit. Kind of a nightmare kid. (laughs) On the same night that his father decides to escape back home from the asylum. The night he came home. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So, yeah. Brief synopsis. Did we mention it's technically a slasher? Yeah, technically. Which, you know, we'll definitely talk about in the next (laughs) section. So, yeah, a nice brief synopsis. Of course, we like to talk about our cast and crew. And this week, I'm going to talk about our director, our writer, our cinematographer, our editor, one of the producers, owns a production company, and that's Gary Graver. Now, the really cool thing about him is he's worked with some really interesting characters in Hollywood. He was known as being Orson Welles' final cinematographer. He worked uh, over a period of six years on Welles' long, unfinished film, The Other Side of the Wind, which is really interesting. He also worked with John Cassavetes on A Woman Under the Influence. He worked with like people like Toby Hooper on The Toolbox Murders. He Did also he worked with Corman. Yeah, which is really cool. Uh, He's directed such things as Mortuary, They're Playing With Fire, Twisted Nightmare. He also went underneath the pseudonym of Robert McCallum because he was a prolific director of a lot of adult films. He won an AVN award. That is fucking nuts, isn't it? (laughs) It's really cool, but I'm like, wow, we are actually no strangers to that happening on this podcast. No, not at all. I think... But we probably kicked it off with the, uh, well, I was going to say with the Jess Franco, kind of. Yeah, you could say that. You could definitely put him in that. But it's not quite the same, but it's pretty close. Yeah, Yeah. really close. (laughs) I own a few of those really close ones. So, yeah, really interesting guy. Like I mentioned, he's his his hands are on what you're into. We might have kicked it off with Visitor Q. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Some would, probably would argue with us that, yeah, yeah, you really did open the floodgates. All right, so. <laughs> open the floodgates. <laughs> yeah, go figure, right? So the next person I'd like to talk about is actually one of our sound department people. There really wasn't anybody who composed the music, but I do have two gentlemen. One of them is Erwin Napshin. He was the sound re-recordist. Now, he's worked on such films as The Beast of Yucca Flats, the film Young Warriors, Angel of Vengeance. He actually helped with an episode of The Ren and Stimpy Show, and that oh, was shit. Man's Best Friend in Big House Blues from 1991. And the other gentleman is Bob Deitz, and he's done some really cool, interesting projects because you look at some of the films that he's done. He's, he was on the sound department for The Return, Without Warning, The Dark, 
Death Dimension. He also helped on like Dracula versus Frankenstein, which is really cool. Count Yorga Vampire. Mm. Uh, some really cool like B level kind of horror films from the seventies, sixties, seventies, and eighties. So yeah, that'd be worth mentioning here. And and the score actually is not too bad, believe it or not. All right, this film was produced by Kareth C. Bird. Hetty Deitz, Gary Graver, Glenn Jacobson, and Lee Thornburg. The production company was Gary Graver Productions. The distributors were Lone Star Pictures International. They actually helped with the 1982 USA theatrical release. And Code Red DVD, they helped both with the 2013 USA DVD release and the 2015 USA Blu-ray release of this film. The release date, it was released on October 29th, 1982. It had an estimated budget of $55,000, which I did read that Gary Graver put up $30,000 of his own money to help finance this film. Oh, cool. And I do have two taglines, believe it or not, for this film. So one of them starts with the ellipsis, and it says, When Halloween night stopped being fun. The second one is, Halloween's over. Now it's the kid's turn to get even. Okay. I like the first one a little bit more. Likewise. <laughs> All right, so moving along, we do have a really interesting cast, which kind of blows my mind a little bit. So the first person I'm actually going to talk about is Jacqueline Giroux. She plays the role of Linda, who's the babysitter in this film. Now, she's known for starring in such films as Terror on the Beach. She was also in Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS. Mm. She was in the film Drive-In Massacre. She, I think more f- well-known for her role in To Live and Die in L.A., she was also in the films Distortions and The Hostage Game. Now, I did read some really cool stuff about her because she was actually an expert in film financing. And apparently, because of that, she helped promote a lot of films that she was in. And along with that, she actually became the president of the public company Phone Friend Incorporated until like 2003. She was also a director, wow. a writer. So she's got her hands all Crazy. over some really cool projects. She was actually married at one time to one of our actors in this film so moving along we have peter jason who plays the role of malcolm o'keefe another guy we've actually i don't know if we mentioned him like a lot but he was actually in arachnophobia right which is really cool but uh, and he's been in a shit ton of things yeah it's like he's got a laundry list of shit that he's been in so i see here that he's been in seven john carpenter films which is really Damn. interesting. Yeah, he also voiced Dizzy Wallen in Gears of War 2 and its sequel, Gears of War 3. He also helped with Sergeant Dornan in Fallout Part 2. I think he was well known because he was in 48 Hours. He was like the cowboy bartender, bartender yeah, that Eddie Murphy kind of got some info out of him. Yeah, he has cool. a super bit role in Mortal Kombat. I think a pretty small role in They Live. Gilbert? I don't remember Gilbert. But he's yeah. in They Live. That's really cool. Yeah, that's actually one I just picked up not too long ago, so I have to look out for him again in that. All right, so moving along, we actually have Chris Graver. You want to guess who he is? He's our director's son, but he plays the role of Christopher O'Keefe in the film. And he's actually been in a few other films. He was in the films Nerds of a Feather. He was in Sexual Roulette, The Escort Part Two, and the film Profit. Now, a huge draw, even though he's not in it for very long, but we do have a Carradine, and that's David Carradine. Fucking Bill. I know, dude. He stars as Richard Adams in this film. 
He's definitely Bill. Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2. I think of him, too, because of Kung Fu. Right. You know? Um, Which, of course, is why he was Bill. Yeah, which is really interesting. I do know at one time that was actually supposed to be... That was like Bruce Lee's vehicle. And for whatever reasons, they gave it uh, to Carradine, which I think I have my uh, suspicions. But well-known actor. actually had a really weird death, too. Depends on how much you look into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because he died in Bangkok. It was what claimed (laughs) auto-erotic asphyxiation. But I've, I've heard some conflicting stories, but... Yeah, it was kind of interesting to see him in this. I was like, what the fuck is Bill doing in here? <laughs> All right, moving along, we have Carrie Snodgrass. She plays the role of Joan O'Keefe Adams. Now, she was actually an easy rider. She went uncredited in the film. She was also in the film's Diary of a Mad Housewife. She was in a Clint Eastwood film entitled Pale Rider. She was also in the film's Murphy's Law. She was in the film Eight Seconds, White Man's Burden, Wild Things. She was also in Ed Gein in the film The Forsaken. Was she in the same Ed Gein? Oh, really? Yep. There's a lot of connections in this film. Moving along, we have Jillian Kessner. She plays the role of Andrea in the film. She was one of the editors on the film within the film. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. She was in such films as The Student Body. She was in the film Evil Town. She was in the film Firecracker. She was actually in Mork and Mindy, the television series back in 82. She was also in the films Raw Force and Beverly Hills Vamp. I've got some interesting trivia about her. She was actually married to our director for a while. And she helped. Because they worked with Wells, they were kind of like the curator of some of his works, which is really Mm -hmm. neat. She was also an expert karate champ as well. So she was known for doing a lot of stunts. All right, moving along, we have Steve Railsback, and he plays the role of Brett. Speaking of Ed Gein, speaking of Charlie Manson, Helter Skelter, speaking of the Devil's Rejects. I was about to say, didn't we bring him up when we talked about Devil's Rejects? Yeah, we sure did, because he was in it, of course. Wasn't he like some kind of deputy or sheriff or something? Yeah, Sheriff Dwyer. Yeah, so... Really? Dyer, Dwyer, something like that. I think you're right. He was actually in the film The Stuntman. He was also in Life Force. You might have seen him in Barbed Wire. Oh, he's the astronaut in Life Force. Yeah, it's really cool, isn't it? <laughs> so, very familiar face. Really cool character actor as well. It's cool to see him in this. All right, the next person I have is Don Pastorini. He plays a role of a first attendant, kind of like the orderly at the beginning of the film. Hey, you put a little bit more respect on that. That's former Oakland Raiders quarterback. Dude, I know. So <laughs> Dan Before we move into that, he was in a few films, some television series. He was in such films as The Florida Connection. He was in the film Killer Fish. He was in the television series BJ and the Bear back in 1981. Oh, he was in the film Voyagers. And as you had mentioned... He was an NFL quarterback, mostly in the late 70s, early 80s, because he played with such teams as the Houston Oilers. He actually led them to two AFC championship games where they lost to the eventual Super Bowl champs, Steelers, which is really cool. You had mentioned he was an Oakland Raider. He was also a part of the Los Angeles Rams and Philadelphia Eagles as well. The second attendant who helped him was Tim Rosovich. Now, Tim has been in such films as The Ninth Configuration. He was... Like a biker, but he went uncredited in that film. He was also in a Cheech and Chong film, Nice Dreams. This is really cool. He was also in Night Shift. He was a part of the film Voyagers. He was also in The A-Team from 1983. He was in the film Johnny Be Good, 
MacGyver from 86 through 1990, and also Harry and the Hendersons in 1991 and 92. Wow. Yeah. No, I do have to mention that Peter Jason was also in one of those Cheech and Chong films as well. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, shit. It's kind of Same neat. one, or which one was he in? I'm not sure if he was in Nice Dreams, but I do know he was in one of them. All right. Move along. We actually have a really interesting person because he's actually a director, but he stars as a bum in this film. And one of the bums that was drinking had to give over their clothes, and that's Paul Bartle. And the reason I say he's an interesting person because if you've ever seen the film Eating Raul, he's a director of that. He's been in such films as Escape from L.A. He was the smuggler in The Usual Suspects. Like I said, just really cool, really cool connections. Next person I have is Gene Clark. He plays the role of Bert in the film. He's one of the insane asylum gentlemen. He's been in such things as, well, actually, he's a part of Sound Department for some really cool films, such things as like Volcano, Fake Out, Without Warning, things of that nature. We have Catherine E. Coulson. She plays the role of Nurse Reeves. Really blew my mind because it's like, oh, shit. Before I get into the reason why it blew my mind, she was in the film Femme Fatale. And then she went on to do some David Lynch projects because she played the log lady in Twin Peaks <laughs> back in 1990 and 91. She was also part of the film's Fire Walk With Me and the missing pieces from Twin Peaks. She reprised her role in 2017 Showtime's Twin Peaks. And she was also a part of Portlandia's television series from 2012. I would imagine oh, because shit. Kyle MacLachlan mm-hmm. played the mayor. So there was a direct connection. And last but not least, I have John Blythe Barrymore. He plays the role of Mad Doctor, which was the uh, film within the film. He played that doctor. And he was a part of the Kung Fu television series in 1975. He was in Americana. He's Drew Barrymore's half-brother. Go figure, right? If you hear Barrymore, you know there's a part of that family. He was also in the films Full Moon High. He did additional voices in the film Crybaby. And he was also in the film Before I Sleep. So that pretty much rounds out our cast, our crew. You gave us a brief synopsis. We should give you a few warnings. Oh, brief nudity. Yeah, there's some brief nudity. A little bit of violence and blood. Yeah, a little bit of language, not much. A little bit of language. Am I missing? Is that it? I'm trying to think. There's lots of pranks. So if you're not Nefarious into, prankage. Yeah, if you're not into pranks, you might not dig this. There's, I won't call them obscene phone calls. There's alluded to obscene phone calls. There's some real down low dirty jokes, but you have to be kind of like listening for them. Yeah, you do because I've actually got them written down. Yeah, because I also <laughs> missed them the first time through. <laughs> it's pretty funny, but yeah, for the most part, it is pretty tame considering. Mm-hmm. So I think this one's a good watch for for those who are curious. I think so. Let's go into talking about trick or treats. Happy Halloween, bitches. <laughs> How does that make you squeal? Here we go. Fucking trick or treats. Danny, how did it make you squeal? Well, first off, I know when we picked it, we looked at some of the database reviews, and this film doesn't get favorable reviews. I can understand why, but but I don't think this film is as bad as people make it out to be. Danny, I kind of love this movie. (laughs) I was like, this movie is not too bad actually it's like it's got a decent story it's not a story that's unique it's kind of a it's biting off some other films i'm so granted it's been a year since i watched it now i might like this more than trick or treat wow 
I don't know if I'm willing to put it in that category just because I think I have a little bit more of a history with Trick or Treat. Not so much with this one. This is actually the first time I ever Not watched it. Not the first time through, though. This is the first time I ever watched it, too. First time through, kind of bored with it. Yeah. Second time through, I actually sat and really like... Well, first off, first time through, I was hitting that Indica, and I was fucking zoned, do dude. I was down. Second time through, I was hitting that Jack H. And you're like, yeah, focused. Focused, creative, in control. Dude, I have a shit ton of notes for this wow. movie. <laughs> well, that's, in a cool way, that's neat, because usually I've got, like, pages full of stuff. This might be one of the shortest notes I've ever taken. I don't know how, if my notes are of, of much substance, but I ended up writing down a lot more about this movie than I thought I would. It's not a good movie. I mean, it's not overall, good. it's not good, but it's not horrible either. It still has its merits. I think it's something that, you know, I think if you have a group of friends over, it could be one of those, like, fun-to-watch, kind of, uh, like, mystery science kind of styles Better of watching. Better than Death House. Oh, ha- yeah. I, I'm willing to put my name at stake for that. <laughs> I'd rather rewatch this than Belko. I, you know, I, I tend to agree with you there. Belko has its moments. I know we talked about it. But uh, this one's not bad. Like I said, it's it's pretty decent. Now, I will say this. All right, kind of going into the film itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that cold opening, it kind of was like, what? Uh, some of it's like to the point where it's a little over the top. But I, I still kind of like that. But the thing that makes it a little confusing is you don't know exactly whether or not Malcolm is insane and, and what are the reasons Right. I want to go into that in just a second. Okay, no, let's just go into that now. That's funny. Okay. So, that was my first note, is he doesn't seem mad at first. It seems like she's just being conniving. Right, right. She's plotting something. And then I was like, oh, are they trying to let us know that he's mad? Because when he's fighting back, like, he goes all ape. Yeah. He goes over the top. Yeah. yeah. Big time over the top. Like, but at the same time, I was sitting there, I'm like... He did just have some fucking shrinks show up, though, that are going to lock him away in the fucking loony bin. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd be fighting back, too. I don't know if I'd go... I mean, he was, like, (laughs) one step away from flinging shit. With them tackling him, and then him trying to climb the tree and stuff? That was my next (laughs) note. My very next note. (laughs) I'm like, so, I have to imagine. Now, this is the 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get that. If you have an insane man, I have to imagine that you would think you probably don't want to shove him into the pool. Just safety regulations of some kind or some sort of company regulations because that just seems to add way too much risk to the whole situation when you're supposed to be a medical professional right there. You would think, right? <laughs> that seems like one of those situations like if he goes into the pool himself, then we have to fetch him out. But otherwise, we should be trying to pull him away. Because yeah, exactly. now what are we supposed to do? Like, <laughs> We're both at risk of drowning. He's ten times harder to keep a hold of. Like He's a slippery bastard. <laughs> Weirdly, though, second time through I noticed something. This all mirrors the fact that she is wearing all white just like them. And she has to pull the sun out of the pool later on. Ah, good point. Yeah. Yeah. No, there there are some interesting things the second time through that you do catch that makes this story more palatable. You know, easier to follow and... Like, maybe be a little bit more forgiving of some of its shortcomings. That's a good point, too. Because another thing is, is the kid points out, you know, like, take off my mom's stuff. And that's what winds up being kind of her demise in a sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really cool. 
So yeah, you get that. And then, um, you know, of course you get the introduction to Linda. She's taking a shower. I was like, okay, that's some of the uh, director's, (laughs) his little foray. But then we also get introduced to like David Carradine and the kid, which is... (laughs) So before she even gets to the house, when she's on the phone with her boyfriend. Oh yeah, Brett, Steve. Yeah. First off, I did have to write down that anytime she's talking to him on the phone, it's the worst acting in the movie. It really is. I think she actually does really good in a couple other times in the movie. But whenever she is on the phone with him, I wrote down, I'm like, do they hate each other? Is she having to act through, like, just not you know, liking him? They were married at that time. That's even more fucked up. I know, right? So my um, note is, did they hate each other? <laughs> you might be onto something. It's a possibility. But I did notice a bit of a joke there. I forgot to go back one more time. I wanted to watch that scene one more time to see if there was any ADR to see if they changed the joke for some reason. But she says that he's too young to play Othello. The answer should be he's too white to play Othello. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That apart famous for being the more. Exactly. So I think that's interesting too. Like if you don't know... Any little bit of history, whether Shakespeare or just, you know, European history, African history? At that point, in my second time through this movie, when I was taking my notes, I started wondering myself, wait, is this movie actually a comedy? You could look at it that way. And the first two thirds, I think, is a comedy. You know, I agree with you there. Like, for the most part, it doesn't really turn into a quote-unquote horror slasher until the last, what, 15 minutes? 20 minutes, maybe? So I have two pages of notes. My fourth to the last note out of two pages is where there's finally actual danger in the movie. And I'm like, oh my god, it actually takes a long fucking time for this movie to get to the point where there's any danger to anybody. <laughs> That's a good point, man. Even with some of the weird the weird, like... I was putting it in the context of the time because I know you're like, saying, though, yeah. Bill's forwardness is definitely like sexual assault. Yeah. She even gets approached by a bum, uh, Linda, that is. Or some guy is like, hey, baby, you like to party? Oh, no, he does. As the nurse. <laughs> it wasn't Linda. No, no. I mean, oh, she oh, has an that encounter. other time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot of weird shit going on in this film. But then, oh, my God. Also, I didn't know what the fuck this was supposed to be. I'm confused in, like, the best way because both answers are ridiculous and just it was just terribly written. But during that phone call, he has the, I'm lowering my voice. Yeah. And her next line's like, oh, you know I love you. And I'm like, wait, so it, was he making, like, a power play, like, I'm being serious? Or was he being like, I know you like it when my voice is low, baby. That's right. <laughs> I was like, what the shit's going on? Sexy time. And then she's like, oh, look, so I'll give you the address, and when you're done, you can come over and we can have some fun. And I'm like, is it because of the low voice? (laughs) You might be right. I think you might be right. Then my next note is, Bill! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is, it's cool (laughs) to see him, even if it is just for like, for a tiny bit. Because one of the first things I'm thinking is, I say, all right, how much of it is his character or how much is it the fact that he's drinking brandy and it's probably real brandy and he's just feeling it? <laughs> because he comes on real strong. He comes on strong. So she first shows up and I had to make the note that that is the biggest overreaction to that team of decorations. 
Because you have like You're right, 30 right, seconds right. of her like stuff. looking at the decorations on the house. Yep. But the decorations are like super family friendly. Yeah, there's nothing sinister like, about them. Buy the, like you can get worse stuff down at like Target or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, they carry can. worse stuff. You have to look for the stuff that that was as tame as it was on the door, and it was like the the fucking paper spider and yeah. shit. And the fact that she flinches at all, like, <laughs> after she stares at it for, like, ten seconds, she's like, ooh, I'm creeped out. Ooh, that's And creepy. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, you're right, man. It, she has a weird deposition a little bit. I'm like, she's a little bit old to be a babysitter, too. I mean, no offense. I was wondering that. I, it seemed to me like they assumed we thought she was younger. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> You're probably right. I was thinking that a little bit, too. It's like, no offense to her because she does a really good job. And she looks really good. Yeah, no, there's she nothing. She doesn't. Exactly. It's she like, doesn't look like she if should they're be trying playing to pull, this role. If you're trying to say like she's in her late teens, early 20s, like I'm not buying that. No. Sorry. <laughs> but regardless, even uh, Carrie Snodgrass, who plays it, Joan, mm-hmm. I read that that house that they film is actually her house, her real house. Oh, right. So, yeah. That's part right. of how they kept it $55,000 budget. Makes total sense, right? And knowing the fact that a lot of these people were either couples or worked together in other projects, yeah, it makes sense. But regardless. Bill that, comes on strong. Bill comes on strong. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like wow, that's. And there's there's one time where she sort of mugs towards the camera, not intentionally towards the camera. <laughs> and it's not it wasn't really mugging, but she puts on this face when he can't see where it's like she's not into it, then she definitely seems into it. And then by the end of it, it seems to... I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure. Yeah. It's starting to get into that gray matter area. And I think I'm just not sure because it wasn't written well. And there's no reason for that scene to even be in the movie. It doesn't play (laughs) into anything else later. That's why I was asking, is like, how much was it like him in character? Or was he like really... It's like, fuck it. I'm just going to go oh, for it. Right? No, dude, it, they had Carradine for an afternoon. Somebody called in a favor. <laughs> yeah. Because this is going straight to video anyway. They need some way to sell it. And putting we just the need fact you that David Carradine is in it gets you more scenes. money. Yeah. Yeah. I, dude, like, dude, we need you for like 30 minutes. I don't care that you're drunk. Just put on the... Okay, you won't take the tux off? We'll have her match you then. <laughs> yeah. There. There's the outfits. <laughs> so, yeah, it makes sense, right? So along with that, I think a little bit before that encounter, Malcolm is talking to like one of the asylum guys. And the one thing I noticed that happens quite a few times when you see them at the asylum is there's this one guy that's always kind of like picking. Dude, that was my favorite. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. I now, mean, home- Homeboy was pretty great too. Um, yeah. But I love the one guy who's like, so second time through, it looked a little bit less like he was picking things off and a little bit more like he was miming sewing something. Yeah. I noticed that as well. You're right. I'm wondering what the guy was trying to convey. <laughs> not, it's like, not seriously. But. No, no, no. It looks like a little bit like he might be preening him, you know, but then you're right. There was moments where it looks like he's pulling thread, but I didn't know that. I was like, that's pretty funny. I was like, what's up with uh, the guy in the silent picking up Malcolm's clothes. I think he was the one who was, Foaming at the mouth during one of the oh, scenes. Was that the same the guy? Near? I think. I'm almost certain. I thought it was different, but maybe you're Could right. Could have been, but... I was kind of surprised at how many extras they got to be in that scene. 
Yeah, I think they said they filmed that actually in Culver, like the uh, the studio itself, like Culver City Studios. Mm. So probably make it a lot easier too. But yeah, there were some interesting people that were in that asylum. With Linda finally running into the kid, mm-hmm. I do got to say the guillotine is pretty fucking cool. Guillotine's really good. He had some pretty decent gags. I'll give him that. Like some of them, of course, like eh, but some of them were decent. One thing I noted too. Sucka! That was a really good line. That might be one of his best lines. But I was like, hold on. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But this is the third film, at least, that we've reviewed that involves magicians. Oh, can you yeah. name the other two? Baba Duke? Yeah. Magicians? Fuck. Think of one of our earliest episodes. Oh, um, fucking Wizard of Gore. <laughs> yeah. Montag. I was like, now we have another kid. So magic is evil. Apparently, right? But that was my next note. Sucker! Far right, you were <laughs> far right, you were right all along. Magic is evil. <laughs> Alright, the next note that I have, I think adventures a little bit further after Chris plays some of the pranks on her, and then the uh, trick-or-treat just start to arrive, is that Malcolm has a plan that he's going to get out. He tells Bert that... So the cutting back into the asylum yeah. was one of my best parts. Every time, <laughs> this movie is a fucking comedy for the first three quarters. It really of the movie, is, man. And none of these scenes help that case. Every time they're in the asylum, it's just a straight up comedy. Yeah. Almost every time they're on Malcolm, it's a comedy. I agree. <laughs> Through most of the movie. Yeah, like you said, 75, 80% of the film. Literally until he stabs someone. <laughs> And even that's like, he didn't mean to. No. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Shit is crazy. <laughs> when he gets back into the asylum, at one point, the nurse is telling one of them, I told you to stop playing with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it to a woman? Oh, I can't remember. I think it is. I think it's one of the female patients there. I was like, wow, that's crazy. And that nurse is horny as balls. They keep making her horny throughout the movie. And she cracks Funny. the best joke a couple scenes later. We'll get to it in just a second because, yeah, this is where he tells Homeboy his plan. All he has to do is snore. Right, exactly. So he's like, <laughs> I'm not he tells, do it. You know, he tells the guy, he's like, I didn't know you know how to speak Spanish. You know, it's like silly was, shit like that, right? But then the dude, the amigos. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty. Amigo. Slick. Yeah, they got it. They liked it. So when it does play out... That might have been the most clever line in the movie. It's pretty... I'll give them that. Like, it does have some funny moments, man, for sure. One of the things I liked, too, was learning who that nurse was. When it finally dawned on me who it was, I was like, oh, that's the log lady. (laughs) That's so awesome. Because one of the weirdest things that lends its hand later on to, like, one of the lines she has was um, when Malcolm finally does go through with his plan... I was like, wow, this is really kind of (laughs) erotic right now. (laughs) More so than it should have been, right? Well, okay. Before he goes on with the plan, we do have a couple more (laughs) tricks from fucking... What's his name? Chris. Chris? Yeah. I didn't write down what the tricks are because what vastly, vastly, vastly overshadowed it is I... I'm not sure. Maybe you can think... Maybe you can remember one. Okay. But have we ever had a kid this horny on the podcast? (laughs) Uh, yes and maybe no. The only kid I can think that was that horny and it wasn't his, well, maybe it was a little bit of his doing, was in The Witch. 
Oh, okay. Was yeah, the brother? The brother was pretty horny. Yeah, he was pretty horny. <laughs> yeah, he I don't know though. Chris, Half my sister. <laughs> but no, I mean, and, and more in a and like a kid actually liking an adult. Yeah, this kid cuts the cake for sure. Oh, I was just like, he was putting the moves on her. He had some little pickup lines and shit. <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> oh my god, it cuts back to the asylum. So this was maybe my favorite part. It starts with the moment where the one Crazo is in bed with the other one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, was it Mark Anthony and Cleopatra? Yes. Right. And so, da, da, you know, rise Cleopatra, get out of here, da-da-da, gets her to go. And he starts spouting off some fucking Shakespeare, which was awesome, from Mark Anthony. And he says something about da-da-da, rise, and she's just like, unrise, you're alone now. <laughs> It's, like I said, it's some funny lines in this film. Oh, that killed me, dude. I was like, that's the other thing. I missed that first time through. Because it's just... And then it goes down the line, and she's she's dealing with each one of them. And, and then he enacts his plan. Yeah, and it's his like, plan. It's like, are they going to start getting it on? Yeah, I mean, she was kind of into it. She wrapped her legs around him. I saw it. And then this movie, it just kept anticipating my thoughts in a weird way mm-hmm. after like the next fucking trick the kid did whatever it was i didn't give a shit okay. honestly the tricks were pretty good but most of them were just variations of jump oh. scares do you want to hear something interesting about the magic in this yeah there were the pranks was because the fact that our director graver he worked with orson wells orson wells was into magic so he was uh, actually a magic consultant on the film I saw his name in the fucking credits. I'm like, that can't be the same. All right, so I was like, looking for him as like Wells. a magician in the film. I was like, I don't remember seeing an adult magician assistant, but I was like, no, actually, I was listening to some information about it, and he was a consultant. I saw his fucking name. I, I just, I just yeah. assumed I'm like, it can't be the same. I can't it, remember. It well, I can't remember what is he's credited as, but like, I think it's it's magician's assistant or something like that. Something odd. I thought it was something like magic consultant. Yeah, I mean that's basically what he is. Yeah, but I thought that was really interesting. So, but uh, he, he like he plays another couple tricks and it tipped the hat. And I was sitting there and I, like I was making a little bit of dinner and shit and playing with Teakle and I say it to Teakle out loud. I'm just like, oh, so he's doing some fucking boy who cried wolf shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then she sits him down. And I'm subjected to a full two minutes of the retelling right. of The Boy Who Cried Wolf. She's exactly it's like, we got a little time to kill, right? <laughs> you tell that kid the story, and the kid says he gets it, and that's the first thing he does. But then the movie did that in one other way, in a weird meta way. When we first read the IMDb description of this movie last week, it said something, da-da-da, kid pulling vicious pranks. And at a certain point in this movie... I'm like, okay, he's been pulling a lot of pranks nonstop. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't call him vicious. No. And as soon as I said that to myself in my head, he pulled the pool shit. <laughs> and if you fucking, if, like, if you're babysitting and you find a kid oh, doing that man. shit, at yeah, that point I'm cool. like, okay, I get it, vicious. Like, that was fucked up. Yeah. That was, that... I, I understand her getting. <laughs> That's pretty heavy. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, nobody wants to see that or find that. No. Not on anybody's watch. Let alone a babysitter. <laughs> Jesus. But then I also had a note to go along with that. You probably do too. <laughs> Is the fact that when the kid does come out of his prank, all right? Well, even before that, 
she starts to give him mouth to mouth. And I'm like... Sandlot? <laughs> yeah, Sandlot definitely. Somebody's seen this movie and got the idea. <laughs> right? But it's just the way that she was giving mouth to mouth, too. I was like, that's a little... Yeah, well, it's weird because half the time she looks like she's just full-on, like, Frenching him. And half, the, <laughs> and mean, half the time, it looks like she's like full on his cheek. Yeah, which I could see. I I could understand that. That makes more sense. <laughs> uh, but you... half the time, it looks like she's kind of French enough. I like wow, this director is like he's letting his kid like experience <laughs> some shit. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh well, I wasn't in the industry. This is the best I can give you right now. But the kid has a really good line to her after that. That's when he comes out of it, and he's like. Thanks for the kiss, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like losing her shit. Understandably so. Yeah, she's about had it at this point. That's when I'd about have it. That's when (laughs) I'd be getting fucking jailed for hitting a fucking kid. Yeah, (laughs) it's like, you're definitely going to sleep right now, whether you want to or not. (laughs) At some point, between that and the next scene, they showed the door of the house again. And I just sort of wondered out loud to myself, like, how long have they been selling that same fucking skeleton in the stores? <laughs> you know Forever. exactly the one yeah. I'm talking about. And Generic skeleton. When, when was this movie? 82. 82. So we had that up in my house, that same exact <laughs> image, yeah. skeleton image, you know, same opposable joints and shit, you know, in 95. So it's been around since then, at least. I feel like I might have been selling that same one when I was at Kmart. <laughs> like, In a weird, kind of neat way, a lot of that stuff does come full circle on this show. <laughs> right? I was like, shit, that's a versatile skeleton. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, our family's it, had it too. Yeah, dude, stood the test of time. Hats off to it, really. Yeah, you know, that'd be kind of neat to, to see who made that, like who came up with the idea concept. I almost want to get one and stick it in here. It's just like icon of Halloween. I'm like, cool with that, yeah. <laughs> I think that's awesome, man. The decorations aren't like extravagant, but that skeleton. Good idea. (laughs) But for being a Halloween film, like unless they didn't have the trick or treaters, you wouldn't really know this was a Halloween film. No. Oh, some of those trick or treaters. One of the kids, I think, was like he was going off script, so to speak, because he looks down in his bag. He's like, "I just got a piece of paper." (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And these other kids, like, you fucking it up. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. We can't waste film. We can't redo this. <laughs> yeah. She's like, just put the fucking caddy in there. <laughs> we only have $55,000. Yeah, exactly. I did note too. Well, not no, but I did see that. They just mostly shot this like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Most of it was on the weekends. And they shot at night, which is pretty apparent. But yeah, the, like I said, if it wasn't for the trick-or-treaters, how would you know this is a Halloween film? Because it doesn't really feel like a Halloween film per se. No, that's true. Other than it's the night he came home. Right. Which, like I said, it's it's really biting off of Halloween, you know? I mean, the story itself is pretty much Michael Myers, the story of Malcolm mm-hmm. coming back. The only difference, of course, is... Which I think the second time through is what really sunk in, too, is... It's like he was a millionaire, apparently, and we know that she benefited from that because... David Carradine's character has not necessarily a throwaway line, but if you don't really pay attention to it, it doesn't really have any value. But he tells Linda that he inherited, mm-hmm. you know, because she's asking about the house and shit. And it's like, well, he did because of her, because she inherited it. One thing I, I do like, too, is like you don't really know the relationship the kid had with his father. No. Right. So that's another thing, too. I was like, that's kind of cool because that it gives a little something extra. 
But it's, I mean, this story through and through is a babysitter, guy breaks away from an insane asylum, Halloween night, it's Halloween, it's trick-or-treats. So, you're staying over a place for the night, your clothes all get soaking wet, mm. you have to find a change. Ooh. Your options are sweats or a nightgown. All right. <laughs> for the show. <laughs> I think the more relaxing would be the nightgown. <laughs> The more appropriate would probably be the sweats. <laughs> if I were babysitting the kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're babysitting. <laughs> Spending the night, what have you. Yeah. <laughs> Got to give it to her. She was in the moment. Well, A, she did know that they were going to Las Vegas, apparently, for some kind mm-hmm. of party. So they were going to be away. She can wear whatever the hell she wants. Unless kid snitches. <laughs> Kids gonna snitch. Oh, for sure. She knows that by now. Kids for gonna sure. snitch. And the mom basically is an enabler. Mm-hmm. Gives them all the good shit. <laughs> As Malcolm's making his way back to the house, I did have to point out that him being harassed by the bum on the street <laughs> was weirdly mirroring of the way Bill pressed himself on Linda. Yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I noted this. This is a little, a little sarcastically, but. It depends on how you look at it. You can look at it, you know, however you want. I put a note that says, this film is very progressive on the topic of transvestites. <laughs> They're completely ready to accept that Malcolm is just a not good looking woman. <laughs> 1982, whether it's then or now, I was like, that, you know that's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even with the lipstick he puts on. <laughs> Miss. <laughs> I I did see that somebody noted that. Never seen boobs? Or what is his, his line? Something like that? Yeah. Never seen tits before? Yeah. When he's like trying to take the, uh, the bum's clothes. <laughs> somebody noted that this film might have the weakest security guard ever. <laughs> I need to see some ID, ma'am. <laughs> like, ma'am. <laughs> it's ma'am. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so I, I noted that, but just the fact that Malcolm, like I said, is getting catcalled, hitting on. <laughs> like, no one thinks twice. No. Something that was cool is that the uh, director actually does make a cameo. I guess it's when Malcolm gets coffee and he wants to get the knife from that diner or whatever it was. Oh, right, okay. Right, so the director is the guy who's serving him. Oh. And the nerd in me saw some of the like posters or whatever, or the records they had mm-hmm. on the wall. I only noticed or recognized one. I was like, the only reason why is because it's PIL, which is Public Image Limited. And I was like, oh, actually, I do know who one band is on that wall. I was like, oh, well, that's cool. But the whole point is until he gets out of that wig, which he stole off of the log lady (laughs) during that little scene, is once he does finally go back to his house or whatever, one of the best lines does come from that. Like once he's actually out of that character and it, kind of ratches up the horror bits. Right. Is the ADR when he gets on the bus. That has to be one of the best moments. Maybe one of my favorite scenes of any film that we've covered because of how ridiculous it is, but also how funny it is. Because he tells them what, like, he wants to go to Wilshire and whatever. And, mm-hmm. like, Wilshire and blah, blah, blah. Like, 35 cents, boy, sit down. Like, that is not that woman on the bus saying that. <laughs> This is ridiculous, but I did like that. Then the nurse starts having some of the best lines, too, when they do cut back to the asylum after Malcolm escapes. 
before that. Okay. How are we going to skip the horror movie? Oh, no, that was good, actually. Like, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I kind of like that. I mean, as cheesy as it was, it was a little meta. I was surprised that we got like a full like five minute short. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Ridiculous. I was like, is that Reanimator? <laughs> oh, I know. That's what I was wondering. That like the head reference has to be a reference to. Reanimator. Yeah, I'm like, there it is, right there. I was like, I was. Except did the years match? The years don't match. I don't think they do. No, I think this is before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Reanimator. I know it is. Ripping off fucking trick or treats. Yuzna maybe seen this film. <laughs> Gordon maybe Yuzna. It was like, it's kind of cool. Like, the two chicks, they're having the conversation about cutting the film and how film isn't a film. Right here. Right, because of the editing process, which is like... They were pretty bad. Yeah. But but I was like, how much of that is the director actually talking about filmmaking? Like, because it gets a little meta because they they start talking about the horror films. Yeah, I was wondering how meta they were trying to be with that conversation. Yeah, it's like, it's a little bit on the nose, you know? And for as quick as they are in some parts of this movie, that I was just like, eh, there's better meta. There is. But, I mean, for the time period, maybe a little bit ahead of its time. Just a little bit. Okay. The nurse. The nurse. All right. But even before that, the movie within the movie. Okay. We'll go, yeah. So, like I said, we talked about the guy who was the mad doctor. Yeah, the brain. I forgot. <laughs> Drew Barrymore's half-brother. Yeah. Right? There you go. That was cool. Linda... Jackie, whatever. She was the nurse, apparently, in that little skit, too. That's mm. why she wanted the scene cut. Oh, so I was like, okay. oh, okay, that's kind of cool. <laughs> hmm. Then, yes, we get the cut to the nurse in the interview with the TV station. and you Put it in my mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, that's, that has to be one of the best lines. And it's said by the log lady, and that makes it, for me, it's like, yeah, that's so fucking good. <laughs> So good right now. And then the interviewer, she's like, you mean the the rag? Yeah. Yeah, in my mouth. <laughs> in my mouth. Yeah, he put it in my mouth. But then the mad doctor actually has a line that he says. I did write this down because it's a little perverted. He says, nurse, give me head. Uh, this head or the head? <laughs> yes, the head. When the interview breaks down <laughs> after homeboy breaks in, put my teeth out. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? They were wilding out yeah, on no, a TV well, station. <laughs> while they were wilding out, somebody fucking shouted something. What fucking was it? I'm fucking drawing a fucking big stoner blank right now. I was just about to say it. Oh, the nurse. She continues on. And she's like, when he was enacting his plan or, or whatever. What is it? She says, when he was on top of me or whatever. It's like, he reacted to me in a way that no man yeah. has ever reacted <laughs> before. <laughs> You're right. She does say that. It's fucking aw- She has, like, just for the little bit of stuff that she's in, her character was awesome, dude. That shit oh was hilarious. My God. Yeah. And that's where you reacted to me in a way no man's ever reacted to me before. <laughs> that's what you were mentioning earlier, which is it's true throughout. Like I said, about 80% of this film was a lot of it's just comedy. It's like, it's funny. That's what kept me entertained, too, because that's some of my favorite shit. It's like, I love comedy, whether it's intentional or not. I think this is. Yeah. So now there's about 15 minutes left in the movie. Oh, yeah. And that's where I wrote my note. It takes a long time for the movie to get to any actual danger. Right. So it really starts with the setup, actually, because for whatever reason, there's a trick-or-treater or trick-or-treaters that come by. Linda leaves the door ajar, and that's inviting for Malcolm to come in. 
he has a weird break-in moment too when he actually gets into the home and goes upstairs and mm. plays with the train set or whatever. Oh right. Yeah, it's like all right. I kind of zoned out during that. Yeah, some of it. I mean, a lot of it is just just like you're plotting through. I'm trying to tie the very loose threads that I think they're trying to tell, but budgetary reasons mm-hmm. probably whatever's you can't fill in all the blanks. But I was like, all right, maybe that's where he starts. Like his crazy comes from is he might be on the tism. Well. For a second, I was like, is this movie going to get really deep? Is this him, like, reflecting on the years he missed with his son? Yeah, with this kid, too. Exactly. That's a good point as well. But we never see enough to... That's right. Exactly. Know. There's not enough. Well, yeah. And then, because Homegirl Editor shows up, right? That's who exactly. it is. Exactly. That's where it kicks off, was with Andrea. The and karate champ. Karate champ. Who, my note is, like, fashion cyclical. So I'm sure the cycles already came and went, and we're waiting for it to come around again. But bring back that like one shoulder look. Yeah, I was down. <laughs> I was it's like, yeah, that's, that's it's a, a good, good look. It's a good look. It really is. If you can pull it off, she could pull it off. It was a good look on her. I'm sure it's a good look on other people. I'm saying yeah. bring it back. Yeah, it's like don't be shy. We've watched enough movies set in this time period now. That I'm like, <laughs> bring it back. It's a good look. Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fashionable. Looks good. Anyway, <laughs> she gets off. Stupid. Yeah. Her death is kind of like, whamp, whamp. <laughs> I don't know. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, I guess she's dead. Okay. She's like, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> and I was also like, oh, that sucks. Like, she was only in the movie for like the past two minutes and she just got off to, oh, that blows for her. That is, I think I mentioned it. That was mm-hmm. the director's wife. So then he makes his way back downstairs. I mean, he has a little bit with the kid for a second. Who Does he actually think the kid's dead? Like, because of the... The I don't stage know. makeup. I kind of don't think he does. No, I don't think so either. But that's kind of technically ambiguous the way they leave it. That's a good point. Especially because he's kind of in his mania at that point, it seems. Because now he is definitely mad. Even though he, at some point in his life, was able to become a millionaire. And in the very beginning of this movie, definitely just sort of seemed like he was a normal guy with a conniving wife. Yeah, I just took that cold opening and as... And most of the asylum scenes was fucking... He seemed saner sane. than me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like, because we don't get enough of that shit is, maybe that's the curve or the slant that he's working at. It's like, he wants you to believe that he's sane. So, I don't know. I guess that's ambiguous. It, it really is. Mania at that point, and the movie just has him flip on that switch, so. But he makes his way back down to her. And I know in the beginning, he's like, no, shut up, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But later on, once, like, the chase ensues and shit, shouldn't she really be trying to point out that she's not fucking Joan? You would think <laughs> that would be the first thing. Like, hold on, time out. <laughs> yeah, not no, her. no, not it. <laughs> you want me to call her? Because I'm done dealing with her stupid ass kid. Yeah, I was like, this is your problem now. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if she shows up and gets murdered. Just I don't mean, murder me. You know, that would have been kind of interesting because that w- would have been a perfect out. Like, you get the mom on the phone. <laughs> it's like, actually, I got Joan on the phone right now. Right. Oh, it's that's both great. of your problems. Yeah. I kind of like that ending that doesn't happen. Yeah. Speaking of... So now we're like five minutes from the end because there's like a chase and she enlists the help of the kid. Right. And the most (laughs) unbelievable way to trap somebody... Wow, fucking dark ending. (laughs) It it is. It is dark. What the fuck dark ending with her (laughs) enlisting the help of the kid to partially guillotine the father. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was kind of wondering how they were going to pull that off when they were, you know, going through the axe and he was explaining it to her. 
And I was like, all right, there's actually a little bit of tension here because you're expecting him to probably break down the door or whatever. But then I was also thinking, I was like, well, they're actually shooting in that actress's home, so they're probably not going to do that. <laughs> they don't have the budget to fix it. He comes around the back, and the way she traps him in the guillotine, I'm like, I don't want to believe that. <laughs> it's too easy. I kept thinking that they were going to use it just to, like, take off a hand. Yeah, exactly. Something simple. And then he gets it. I was like, oh, that's actually pretty decent. It is fucked up because that's the kid's dad. That's the kid's dad right in front of the kid. Right. And and it's not even like all the way through. It's him like sitting there and like twitching as it's just stuck into his fucking spinal See, column. that's where I didn't know too whether or not they were actually going to cut all the way through. I was like, ooh, I kind of hope so. That'd be kind of neat. But I was like, there's no special effects on this. <laughs> that's almost more fucked up though. Yeah, no, I liked it where it just kind of like partially gets him. And then he just passes on the evil to the kid. That point, I'm like, okay, I understand where that horror bit's about. But if you're watching it for the first time through, it's like none of that shit makes sense. Because you do need a second time through to like pick up on those little conversations and just like those loose threads that the director's trying to piece together. You know, that's what kind of where I like it too. It's like it is ambiguous enough. To where even though this film doesn't have to make sense, it still does make sense. Oh, yeah, no, this film is kind of terrible in a lot of ways, but it's fucking... I mean, oh, it's so... You, it's you really could so argue... Yes, yeah, so you could argue that this is one of those that are so bad it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I'm down. I like this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't hate this movie after or before we did this. Reading those reviews, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be a fucking <laughs> no. stinker. Because my general rule is if a film on the database is like at least a five, of course, and above, it's probably at least worth watching once. And this one, like, wait, usually gets a four. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) That's what I was like, oh, no. Because that's that's treading in that death house territory. Mm -hmm. No, so much better. (laughs) Lots better. And uh, and even like with death house, there's some redeeming qualities, but uh, it's just... It wasn't good. No. No, this is enjoyable to watch. Yeah, no, no. Like, I wouldn't be afraid to watch it again sometime soon, to be quite frank. Because you don't really have to pay attention a lot. But for the scenes that do deliver, they're definitely worth the price of admission for this film. Like I said, the nurse has some of the best lines. Malcolm actually did really good. Peter Jason. Yeah. I mean, everybody, they did a really good job. Like, it's not a bad performance by anybody. Yeah, I mean, there's some over-the-top shit, you know. (laughs) <laughs> there's definitely all stuff do that's good 90% of the time. Yeah, there's some stuff that's very dramatical <laughs> that doesn't have to be, but I get it, you know? It's mm-hmm. like I, I get it. What's with the little like <laughs> subplot of her boyfriend's homeboy getting pissed at him always calling her? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> I did watch a couple of like YouTube reviews and somebody noted that too is like he even has the line that guy. He's like, "Stop calling her. Stop talking to her." Yeah, because it's always like you would imagine. Like, is it in between acts that he's calling her? Is That's it in between what they were scenes? making it sound like. Yeah, it's like it's not clear. But this guy's like, you need to stay focused, <laughs> even though this is a free play, <laughs> and people love it apparently. Oh, and he's playing Othello. Yeah, that guy was really into theater. Oh, that's so fucking great. <laughs> like, so the uh, the guy who played the bum when he needed the shirt mm-hmm. and all that shit, 
that was the director I was talking about for okay. Eating Raul. That's a really good film. Really dark comedy. Hmm. So yeah, that's another one of those favors that paid off. Still can't believe that they got one of your homeboys from the Oakland Raiders, Pastorini, in this. Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, he only did one season with the Raiders, but... But still, it's cool. Even the guy who assisted, like, the second Oh, the, the other guy was also... I, I recognized him, too, because it's like, he looks so familiar. Then I saw his credit in Nice Dreams. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's funny. Well, and he was also pro baller, right? Are we thinking the same guy? I there was know. two pro ballers in this. One guy was an Oakland Raider. The other guy was Euler and Eagle. And oh, the same Charger. guy. Same guy. Okay. Yeah, same guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, the the other guy I was talking about who wasn't the quarterback, <laughs> he was the one who was in Nice Dreams. That's where I recognized him from. Because, I mean, aside from Carradine and uh, even like Julia Kessner and Steve Railsbacks, like I didn't really know a lot of these people until I saw their credits. It's like I probably have seen them at some point. Because you can't help but see some of these people in the 80s films. No, I will say this. You can argue the fact that from this film forward, everybody's career got progressively better. <laughs> so this film, in a sense, yeah. is a little bit of a launching pad. <laughs> true. True. I would argue that a little bit. I'm not saying that <laughs> this is the film that did that. No, yeah. Say that's, this is that's one a good of argument. them. argument. I'll, I'll take it. I, you're technically true. <laughs> so I'm getting it. I'll take of true. I'll take technically. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Oh, shit. Well, I'm out of notes. No, the only thing that I said that I enjoyed about it was knowing that this film is not as bad as I thought it was going to be because I was kind of like, I won't say dreading, but I was like not really looking forward to it as I do other films. Mm -hmm. And then when I was like, okay, this film is actually pretty funny. (laughs) The kid's not bad. Like, I understand he's supposed to be a a snot, which he is. Mm Mm-hmm. But he actually turns in a pretty decent performance, even for being a director's kid. It's like, he wasn't bad. His sucker line alone was fucking oh, funny as hell. great. That ADR was really funny. I mean, even a little bit of horror that was horror, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great either, but it had a payoff. It had a very bleak ending. If Halloween was a comedy. I was like, you can actually go somewhere with this film, too. Like, beyond the credits. Oh. Oh, yeah, what does happen next? Yeah. You don't know what's happening with the kid's mom and Carradine, <laughs> what happens to the kid, all that shit. So it does leave open the uh, idea that you could extend it if you wanted to, or you, it just ends there. That's fine, too. Trick or treat seer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. But, yeah, overall, fun film, not great, borderline, like, bad, but not horrible. That's how I would kind of classify it. Yeah, no. I, it's a weird entry to a Halloween film. I true. Mean, but the it's name there. It's, yeah, it is. The and name, it's Halloween. The name and the fact that there are trick-or-treaters solidifies it's it. it's basically the movie Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's not. <laughs> but it's fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. A lot you more all, than I thought. You know, all know at this point that I liked this movie. <laughs> Well, shit, I don't think we have next week to No, we haven't yet. planned anything yet. So take a good hard guess. You're probably wrong because there's a shit ton of movies out there. So, But you might be I'm, right. You might be right. You may be wrong, uh, but you may be wrong. right. Try to figure out the Halloween contest. Yeah, that's so definitely still open. Also, 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 in order to find out what we end up covering next week, 
please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. That would be super awesome. Or you can always head over to our website, www.friedsworms.com. There's ways of listening up at the top. The latest episode is streaming down at the bottom. In between, you can find our entire back catalog of episodes, as well as links to all of the online portals, the Insta, the Twitter, the Facebook. You can contact us through the website or by hitting us up, squirmcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. What do you got? Not a whole lot. Like I said, we like hearing from you. If you have some feedback, if you like for us to review a film that we might not have talked about on the show, we're always open to that. And once again, if you're in the industry, independent filmmaker, hey need some eyes on some movies, let us know. Or you guys got to be like, yo, why haven't you covered Ghosts of Mars? And I'll be like, that's a really good question. Why haven't we covered Ghosts of Mars? Yeah, it's then like... do Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> Shit like that. It's like, just we're let us know. for you. Yeah. Let us know. Somebody speak up. <laughs> Can't all be one person. That's true. I guess technically hasn't been just one person. But <laughs> Anyway, we love you. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Oh. <laughs> Happy Halloween, bitches. Yeah.